Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Hi everyone and welcome to this latest ITAM Review Podcast. Now joining me today to talk about digital employee experience, I've got Jason Keel, Field CTO from 1E. So if you could... Uh, Say hello to everyone for us, Jason. Hello to everyone. Hi, Rich. <laughs> oh, I should have known. Um, so, yeah, so, so for those of you, I suppose, who don't know who I am, I'm, uh, I'm Rich from the ITAM Review. As I said, Jason is joining me from 1E. Now, the, the topic of today's conversation is digital employee experience or DECs. Now, for many of you, I would imagine this might be quite a new topic. So before we, we delve into it too much, Jason, could you give everyone a kind of overview of, you know, of what DEX is? What is a DEX and why would I want one? Um, so DEX is a relatively new phrasing, pretty much from, from Gartner. It's a new sort of category for them. And it, it's an evolution of a previous category that was called DEM. So DEM was digital experience monitoring, and we had uh, companies like SysTrack and NextThink and others come out in that field. And really what DEM tools, what DEM their DEM tools wanted to do was monitor the employee experience as they're using technology. So that's digital experience. And, and therefore understand what's going to, what, what's, what's having a negative impact on that, um, on that experience. Are there, tools or things that are getting in the way of the employee being productive uh, in terms of the software or the hardware that they're using and problems with those things that maybe can be looked at and addressed by IT. And for several years, um, Gartner tried to tell 1E that um, that Tachyon, our tool in, that, in sort of an aligned space, was a DEM tool. And I kept on pushing back and saying, no, it's not. And, and the reason is that DEM inherently is passive because it's about monitoring. And, and monitoring is, you know, you, you then have to go to something else to actually take an action or do something. And Tachyon is really focused on automation and action. So I kept on saying it's not a DEM tool. It, it's, it's sort of DEM plus other stuff. And we had all sorts of phrases we used for a while. And, and you'll hear um, Forrester use UEUM, UE, no, EUEM, end user experience management. Um, and the management was an important phrase because rather than just monitoring is about management but i think dex is uh, far dexier as a name and, and it, it is the one that has caught on i mean the fact that i stumbled over uh, eu em was was bad enough right so dex is just a lot easier to say and uh, that's digital employee experience now you are stretching the x right <laughs> experience it's, it's d just doesn't sound as good either so dex is, is what we've got and um and we've used X for experience and other things, UX, for example, in, in the past. So, so DEX is not just about monitoring that employee experience, but actually proactively um, improving it as well and, and actually being able to drive using automation, uh, you know, improvements to the end user experience. And, and that's all about digital everything, right? So anytime, anytime a user moves a mouse or touches a keyboard, that's a digital moment. And DEX is about making sure that their experience using the keyboard mouse and everything they attach to is, is as good as it possibly can be. 
Excellent. I like that. That's one of the most uh, succinct explanations I've seen. Um, so, so you talk about digital. Now, digital makes me think of software. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were talking about mice and keyboards and things. So is DEX, is it purely a software thing or does it include the world of hardware as well? Oh, it totally includes the world of hardware as well. So you've got um, essentially DEX. One of the reasons that we've found ourselves here is that it, it it is all things IT. So it's your, your laptop or your desktop, sure, because you've had a new... Well, we were talking earlier, I mean, uh, previously as well, I think about an issue I had with a, a software uh, update to my um, audio driver. So is that hardware or software? It's an audio driver issue, right? So it's kind of hardware. And uh, that in turn caused issues with my software because it was causing teams to crash on me. And you were saying that you've got a problem with your, your camera that when you turn it on 40% of the time, your machine reboots. Yeah. great feature so you know that's hardware related really so so and that's absolutely negatively impacting our experiences using teams or zoom or whatever right and, and that's crucial to a lot of what we do today so it is about hardware but potentially it could also be about network so if you're using a SaaS application and that's what you or, or you know that's what you do your, your, your daily job on or you, you you connect to the office over a vpn and then you start using sap and then you're blah 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 your network you know area could be part of it as well uh indeed then the server that's on the other end of that that's suddenly you know having issues and, and actually we can find out that all of the users that are using that server are having problems and it's a server-based problem rather than a, an endpoint or a network-based problem um that's you know also dex so any part of everything uh, and it's this unifying function across many different previously siloed areas of it Dex is kind of really trying to break down those silos. We've been talking about it for 20 years, and I think it's slowly beginning to happen. And I think actually 2020 and the pandemic and everything else was was uh, pretty crucial to, to, to starting that. Um, but yeah, that does that explain? It's everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I think I was guilty at first um, uh, of sort of putting it in the, the end user computing space you know, and thinking it's just about the desktop but but what what you were saying there about networks and, and servers and data centers and things it, it that helps show it's that about the end users experience and servers be they cloud-based or, or on-prem or anything else are actually there to help users get things done um and you know that, that there is no other function of a server or perhaps to get customers to, to help customers to get things done or, or or internal people to help get things done and uh you know Dex is really focused on your internal people rather than your customers. There's a different area around customer experience, but um, then that means something different, really. But uh, the uh, the Dex side is your employees' interaction with the technology they use, and that is everything from the aforementioned mouse and keyboard right through to the SaaS-based server or the network connection in between. You know, working from home, working from the office doesn't matter. What is it better? Where are they better? Where are they worse? All sorts of interesting stuff there. I like it. So, so you mentioned SaaS. Um, so, so does this also include? Because one thing we've seen, and as you mentioned through the pandemic, um, you know, there's obviously been a huge rise in SaaS applications within organisations, and we've we've seen quite a big rise in the the corporate standard of a, of a product, not necessarily being the one that most people choose. 
Um, so, you know, it could be that you're standardized on, on WebEx, but everyone wants to use Teams or vice versa or whatever it yeah. might be. Does that side of things come under DEX as well? It does. I mean, DEX is ultimately about the end user experience, right? Your employee, your, your digital employee's experience. And, I, and I, I think of it as that way, by the way. It's not your employee's digital experience. It's your digital employee's experience. Your employees who are digital employees, those who interface with computers, right? It's about their experience in doing their jobs. And um, I mean, one of the things that it, that, that is a in in one e we look at four areas uh, encompassing Dex, right? So so um, the first is you know stability. Are things crashing or not? And if they are crashing, that's a bad day, right? So that kind of sucks. Next up is um, performance. Are things do, do the stats say that things are performing well or not? Next is responsiveness, regardless of what the stats say. Is it actually, does it feel okay? Right. So the, the user doesn't care that the CPU is at 99%. The user cares when they click the button, if the window opens as quickly as it normally opens. And if the CPU is at 99% and there's no noticeable or discernible issue, then is it really an issue, right? If a tree falls in the forest, there's no one to hear it. So um, the, the last one is sentiment. And, and, and employee sentiment is crucial. And um, particularly today, when we have, you know, the, the great resignation and all that kind of stuff, if you have employees that get sick to the back teeth of something being unstable all the time, or of the machine performing, um, I'll try and keep my language very PG, so uh, performing uh, poorly continu continually, then, um, you know, that, that can drive frustration, and that frustration can drive resignation, ultimately, and, and likewise, employees and ask them questions about the tooling that they use so you prefer zoom or teams or webex or whatever if you can um you know when things go wrong engage with them and, and, and show them that you're helping that can reduce uh frustration as well um, and if you ignore employees sentiment about which tools to use um you may end up losing some people and, and even if you can reduce um, you know, the rate of, of resignation by one or 2%, each employee on average, it's about $15,000 to recruit a replacement, recruit and train a replacement for. And that's an average employee. If it's a senior level person, it's a much, much higher number. So how many licenses, many pieces of software typically can you, can you buy for $15,000? It's quite a lot, right? So if we can stop one or 2% of people leaving, if we can prevent a few hundred a month from, from going or a quarter from going, then that's potentially you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's this weird, there's a HR sort of aspect to DEX as well. It's just, again, breaking down some silos, but, you know, it is that kind of intersection between um, HR and, and IT and even facilities to some, to some uh, degree. I mean, I've seen one of the big biofarmers recently create a new function called, um, uh, you know, employee experience. And, and it's a, a merging of HR, IT and facilities management together. That's interesting. Yeah, I can see the the HR angle. Um, and you know, we've seen from from the ITAM side with SaaS, you know, the, the HR is much more involved than it used to be. You know, as a a kind of internal stakeholder, and even a department that software suppliers are, are trying to you know, sell to and and court them as customers and things. Uh, you know, Microsoft are bringing out of HR focused products as well. Um, so I think this has given us a really good idea of, of DEX and where it sits. Now, I'm, I'm 
going to preempt what I would imagine is is the question that most people are posing to themselves of you know the majority of people listening will be IT asset managers, software asset managers. So is DEX, you know, is it a thing for them to, to, to pay attention to? Uh, and if so, why? I think it's something you ignore at your peril. Um, and uh, I also <laughs> think it has a lot of relevance to IT asset managers and uh, IT asset managers have a good amount of relevance to DEX, right? Because, well, partially because of that, that piece you just talked about, right? The, it's a role of software asset management to ensure that employees have the technology they require to do their jobs, right? And, and if they don't, then that's that's partially the same issue, right? Um, but DEX tooling has a number of different functions that, that are really valuable to IT asset managers. So who's using what software how often? Um, and you know, do they do they enjoy using what they prefer to use a different tool? Is there is there shadow IT happening? Do we see technologies being used that are not the corporate standard? And if so, why? And do we need to change the corporate standard, right? Um, so we it, it gives all sorts of insights. Now, you can then have additional functionality such as, you know, reclaim where if the software isn't being used, we want to automate the removal of that software. And if you remove something, that can be a really bad user experience, right? But if you can communicate with the end users at the same time and explain why and give them a facility to get that tool back so a good example is Visio, right? Um, a lot of people have Visio or, or, or MS Project, and they get it deployed for a period of time for a particular thing, and then, you know, six months, a year, two years, three years later, they still have it on their machine, and they probably haven't touched it in two and a half years. So, you know, identifying that and reacting to that, and but telling the user, hey, um, we see that you haven't used this tool in quite a while. Is it okay if we remove it? And if they say yes, you take it away and you just run like a bandit, right? It's, it's great. If they say no, it's wonderful to be able to challenge them and say, you know, you haven't used it in three months or six months or whatever it is. Um, can you please tell us why you need it? And just asking that question, just asking them to justify it can make them realize, well, actually, I don't really need it. I know I was planning to plan out my garden using Visio, but I can probably do it with some online tool instead. Um, so I probably shouldn't use Visio for that. And I'm going to let <laughs> let the business take it back and communicating openly with users can really empower the user and some it's something itan doesn't do a lot is connect to the actual end user but it's um i think it's really really good i mean if you tell if you give users information and empower them to make decisions you know you, you rely on your employee your, your your business not employing um you know people who don't have the best you know will of the, the business in mind so telling them hey this thing costs 360 dollars a year they're probably completely unaware of that they might not have a clue how much a physical project license is you know so whatever the price is this costs us x per year and you don't seem to be using it can we have it back and we'll reassign it to somebody else and if you another area of, of dex is really employee self-service employee empowerment employee sort of portals as well so if they have some facility to go and request a piece of software and get it back with immediacy I might not have used it in six months, but I might need it in two months' time. If I think it's going to take me two weeks of filling in forms and waiting for CM to deploy something, and just you know, that's going to really annoy me. But if I know from my experience, my digital experience in this in this company, that when I request something, I actually have it deployed to me within the next five minutes, then I'm going to be far more likely to actually let you take it away in the first place. So there's a real um, you know license reduction, cost savings, and and appropriate use of software kind of functions that are all wrapped around DEX and, and, and what DEX can do for, for you and IT in, in IT asset management. 
That's very interesting. Yeah, and I think it, it ties in very well with some of the things, as I say, that we, we've seen from customers in the, the kind of rise of SaaS. Um, uh, and I think, you know, you mentioned earlier the great resignation. Uh, it's probably fair to say that users have got more power maybe than than most uh, people will have had previously. So for an organization, uh, keeping them um, on side is going to be important. And, and I think from, from ITAM's perspective, you know, businesses are changing, IT is changing. And I think identifying which of these new areas are going to be key to keeping your business you know, up and running, uh, you know, not just surviving, but thriving and growing as we go forwards, you know, working out which ones it is and how you as an ITAM manager can support it and, and help. I think that is going to be key for... I think, yeah, the ITAM managers need to be pushing for their organizations to, to engage in, in DEX. I mean, one of the... Um, only about 35% of companies, large enterprises have um, so either DEM, which is the, the sort of more traditional and less proactive stuff or, or DEX capabilities today. Um, and, you know, about another third or so are looking at implementing it in the next two years. I was looking at some forest research the other day, sort of with these stats in it. But the, um, so it is a fairly early stage thing, right? It, it not, it's not like everybody has it and, and, you know, you need to, you know, but if you, if you are involved in, in, if you're a champion for it, I think it's a really good place to be. Um, because it also, you talk about change a minute ago, you know, the whole world obviously has changed ridiculously in the past couple of years in particular, right? We had pandemics and now wars. Um, what is it, plague, pestilence, war, what are the other, <laughs> the horsemen of the apocalypse are coming for us. But basically, um, the uh, if you look at it, one of the impacts that both of those things have had is a knock-on effect of the supply chain. So for various reasons, you know, in terms of wanting to be a company that is greener, in terms of improving your uh, your, your footprint from, from an, uh, an ecology and also the cost perspective, we want to reduce the amount of machines we're buying as well. And DEX isn't just about software, right? So if we can identify machines which are not being used to their full potential, that, that the, the stats say, are massively overpowered for user X, but we look at user Y and they've got a machine that's massively underpowered for their use. Well, can we switch machines between user X and user Y? And rather than buy a new machine for user X, which is what we would have done a couple of years ago, right? Can we intelligent, intelligently assess the and match the needs of a user to the capabilities of a device and right size your environment in an intelligent way to reduce your, your overheads, your costs, your, you know, like I said, ecological impact, reduce the reliance you have on new tech being delivered all the time and sweat your assets a little bit, but do it in a really smart way that where the user is not negatively impacted. We don't want to leave people with old machines, but honestly, if all that user uses is five different tabs in a web browser and email, do they need to have, you know, the latest i7 processor and 64 gigs around? No, they don't, right? If there's a developer that's been struggling struggling along with 16 gigs and you know a, an older processor, can we switch machines? And can you get users to buy into that? And can you get them to buy into it because you're helping save the planet, right? You're you're, you're reducing the requirement for more heavy metals and and so on. I mean, it takes something like 300,000 liters of water to produce a laptop, right? It's madness. 
So how do we, how do we reduce our ecological impact, our, our requirement for resources and our demands as large corporate entities? Actually, one way you can do that and reduce costs is through decks. And it's, that's an ITAM function as far as I'm concerned. 100%. And it's you know, very timely that, that you bring that up. Um, you know, sustainability is something that we've seen a real uptick in in the last, I'd say, six to nine months. Um, and there's kind of two elements to it. You know, there's got one side, it's a cloud sustainability, you know, carbon that you're creating in a data center, you know, in, in wherever it might be. But, but then more immediately, the exactly as you were saying, you know, the, the laptops and, you know, there's a growing focus on hardware asset management, IT asset disposition, ITAD. And it seems like, you know, as we're talking, it seems like those things plus, you know, the, the SaaS management, et cetera, they all start to come together under this DEX. Yeah, so from a SaaS perspective, who's using what SaaS applications? You have 50,000 licenses for Salesforce. Do you have 50,000 people using it? Or is it 45,000? And that doesn't sound like a massive difference, but obviously it's 10%, right? So can you reduce 10% of your, of your license cost for Salesforce or insert name of SaaS application here? You know? Yeah. Um, and that's absolutely a valid DEX question or thing to manage as well. So it is, a, it is a huge source of inventory data um, and, and a centralizing function for a lot of different things. Um, you know, there'll be different people in the organization that are concerned with the security of the device or of the data on the device or uh, with the configuration of the device and stuff. So th those are also supported by DEX. But IT asset management is absolutely something that can be, that is uh, supported. And, and we can take the data from we do take the data from our platform and feed it into things like ServiceNow. Um, and in turn, people, are, a lot of them now are using ServiceNow for SAM type functions. And, and one of the issues they have is the, the immediacy or accuracy of the data that they're reliant on uh, inside of there. So we can feed in data from end user devices. So again, who's using what software, blah, 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 um, and populate CMDBs, which would in turn support uh, IT service management, which is another area significantly benefited by, by DEX. Uh, because if you can make a world where less things go wrong, basically you've got less costs, you have less incidents, <laughs> you've happier users. It's all about DEX. Um, so, you know, can we support the CMDB, which is then used for other functions like SAM and ITAM as well? And yeah, we can. So, you know, that's another huge sort of area is, is accuracy. And, and I mean, data accuracy, a lot of that is to do with timeliness and Tachyon is, is a real-time platform. So you literally can't get more timely than I want to update that data right now and it populates as you look at it. Yeah, quite different to the you know several days or, or, or longer even that, that some organizations will, will be seeing at the moment. Um, yeah, the, the speed bit is not as important to ITAM generally. Um, other than, like I said, about users waiting on things. If either through process or tooling, you have a situation where users are waiting for minutes, hours, or days after they request software, you're going to have a, a bad digital employee experience. Um, and, you know, that will cause frustration for your users, which again, may cause other knock-on effects up to and including, you know, people resigning. Um, I might've told the story during the webinar of a very senior executive in a very large American bank who requested, um, I think it was projects on, on her way out to Asia, leaving New York on a Monday. 
and uh, needed it for while she was in uh, Tokyo and, you know, flew over, which took many hours, uh, was there for two days, needed it on day three, still wasn't deployed, flew back, got home on the Friday, and basically the software started deploying on the Friday. And the really, the thing that really drove her nuts, and she did actually end up leaving, not because of this, but it's just one more, it's just one more straw on the camel's back. That really drove her nuts was that was inside the SLA that they had. It was, it, it oh, was wow. acceptable in the business, regardless of the fact that this lady was literally to them, the CIO of a, of a half a million seat organization. Um, you know, she literally had tens of thousands of people reporting to her. It was, it was within the SLA that it'd be, you know, five working days or less that she gets her software. And, and that means five working days at least. It should be minutes, right? So, so when a user is waiting for something, be that the configuration of a VPN or deployment of a piece of software, when they click the button, you know, again, you need to have processes that are streamlined that facilitate appropriately people getting, you know, approved or pre-approved or whatever. And once that approval has gone through, which hopefully is, like I said, a pre-approval, it needs to start actually delivering, you know, instantly. People are just used to that dynamic. And if they're not getting it, especially if they actually couldn't end up doing the, the meeting properly, then, you know, it's just really frustrating, especially when they're in the IT function and like their own IT stuff doesn't work, they kind of lose it. <laughs> so, well, you know. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's how, that, that's how you end up never getting rid of shadow IT. Yeah. Because if you know, you know, say if that exec had stayed, next time they went over, you know, you just think to yourself, right, I'm just going to sign up to, you know, monday.com or, you know, Asana or whatever it might be. I'll just sign up to a SaaS program because yeah. I can use that immediately. I'll chuck some data in there. Um, and, you know, so, so again, that kind Which of when you start putting data in there has security implications and all sorts of stuff as well. Yeah. Um, so and, and users not using things like OneDrive, or actually businesses not using things like OneDrive. I mean, one of the best, you know, cost reductions that I saw uh, was, and I think it's, yeah, they're, they're talking about it at a Gartner event uh, this week, I think in two days' time. So uh, I'll name them. So it was Novartis, right? And, and they basically had a genius plan. This was three, four years ago. They had a, what was called a H drive, which was um, users' home drive. Right. And, and across their 135,000 users or whatever it was, they had several, I think it was six petabytes of data. So a petabyte right, is, um, is a thousand terabytes. <laughs> so um, basically they had a ridiculous amount of disk um, and that's an IT asset, that disk. Right? And they were buying more and more petabytes of data every year to support various different functions. But there's six petabytes sitting there with just user data on it. And they were also paying for an E5 license, whatever it was, with, with Microsoft for Office, which allowed them to have, um, you know, OneDrive and, and, and a certain amount of space, whatever it is, for each user, more than enough for, for the average user, right, of OneDrive spaces at 100 gigs, so, um, or a terabyte or whatever it is. So essentially, they were able to um, migrate their users from H drive to OneDrive um, and they did that using our tool as well, which was, it's complicated to do that for various technical reasons. But at the end of the day, what they ended up with was a position where they had migrated from A to B and they were monitoring now to ensure that users weren't sticking data into C colon backslash whatever, right? That was, it was going into OneDrive, that the data was more secure. Plus they were able to retire uh, the H drive, which freed up six petabytes of data that they used for other things. And they stopped buying disks for, I don't know how many months or years 
off the back of that, but they saved millions just on hardware for discs off the back of that. And it was intelligently essentially swapping software license for hardware cost. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's, that's a good story. I mean, I, I've always been a big, big fan of cloud storage. Um, so, and I think, you know, stories like that, they, they kind of show the, the intersection between, you know, all, all the different parts of a business. Um, this is where I tell people can drive far more value than they've traditionally seen as having. If you want to see it at the table, you know, about strategically where we're going, having this kind of data and, and, visibility into what's possible and what's causing problems and what's frustrating users and, and what's delighting users is really, really important because that's the language that the CIO and, and you know the, the board care about. They, they care about people being able to be productive and, and IT not getting in the way. If, I, if IT asset managers are seen as Dr. No, then that's a problem. And, and you need to be seen as the people that are facilitating the business, having the software it needs and the hardware it needs. The IT resources it needs to uh, to get its business done. Definitely, yeah. I, I think um, I was reading a, I was reading something the other day, um, and there was a quote from the the Chancellor of the Exchequer in like in the nineteen twenty four, I think. And I, I was reading it, and it made me think of how the average person probably sees ITAM and IT. And it, it was something about the the job of the Chancellor of the Exchequer isn't to spend money, it's to stop people spending any money at all. And if you can't do that, it's to make them spend as little money as possible. Which um, is completely archaic thinking. Yeah, it's like, I'm not surprised it was 1920-something. <laughs> Whereas the job of the Chancellor of the Exchequer, or I guess Finance Minister or whatever you would call it, uh, outside the UK is um, is obviously to make sure that money is spent wisely. Yeah, and and I, I think there's a you know a, a really good parallel with with ITAM. You know, lots of people, as you say, you know, see it as the, the people who say no, um, and you know that may well contribute to some of the difficulties that people do find when it comes to getting you know executive sponsorship and buy-in across the organisation, etc. Um, so, you know, we have a similar conversation with ITAM and FinOps, and I think it, it matches up well with DEX as well, that this is a really good opportunity for ITAM to maybe rebrand itself a little bit and, you know, take, take ownership of this DEX concept and, and drive it forwards, or if there's already a team doing that, you know, proactively deliver them the data that they need and uh, you know, if there's already a team doing that identify that it's happening and actually uh use them <laughs> no, it's not so much about becoming a supplier to them so much as a customer so you want them to give you information about who's using what and what's where and is it appropriate and all of that kind of good stuff because that that dex information is genuinely can make a significant difference to item decisions and should and, it, and if people are, are doing sort of shadow IT, IT things, is that a sign that you should change what core IT is? Or do you need to start educating users or training people or, you know, or, or just accepting there's going to be some, some differences or getting draconian and coming down on it? There's all the different options, right? But um, knowledge is power and DEX can give huge amounts of insight and knowledge and indeed automation. 
So when a user starts to use Firefox and Firefox is seen not to be a corporate browser because you've made a decision from a security perspective, that's not gonna be, that ain't so, right? You can actually have a Dex tool notify, well, I don't know about others, you can certainly have our Dex tool notify the user and say, hey, we, we see you're trying to use Firefox. Um, that's not in our corporate standard but because we can't keep it up to date from a security perspective. So our standard browsers are Chrome and, and Edge, brackets, Chromium based please click A or B to start one of those browsers. And it can actually go and uninstall Firefox in the background as well. The trigger, so we have these automation rules and the trigger to the automation, which uninstalls Firefox and notifies the user of the alternatives is somebody running Firefox that exit. So as soon as it triggers, you know, it, it starts unwinding and, and we don't, you know, there's other things, you know, things like Brave, for example, as a browser, there's, there's other browsers that have kind of dodgy functions in them for peer to peer data sharing and other things that would be, you know, against corporate standards and best practices, perhaps. So when those things start being used, which is a form of shadow IT, don't just block it, also notify the user. Good Dex is about good communication as well. Um, so provide the re reasons why and, and provide the alternatives. And, and that can help you minimize your, your vendors. So I'm just talking about browsers, but you can imagine the same thing when you're talking about graphics editing tooling or, you know, planning tools or insert name of whatever here. Um, so, so that's really, really, you need to be friends with those DEX people. And like I said, if you don't have DEX, you know, I'd say you should be a proponent of, of starting that journey. Um, maybe even become the leader that actually leads it because it can fuel such a wealth of different use cases that relate directly to iPad. Yeah, I, I really agree with the point about just taking it up and leading it if it's no, not already being done because I think you know the as we said earlier you know everything's changing IT business etc and and ITAM you know needs to change with it and you know there are a few different things on the on the horizon obviously we you know cloud and SaaS but you know FinOps Dex sustainability has become a, a big focus recently. There's a really good opportunity, I think, for you know, if your ITAM function in your business has kind of got stuck in the, the box of you know, audit defense and license compliance and stopping things from going wrong, maybe, you know, more reactive. Um, there's a really good opportunity, I think, to, to bring together uh, different parts of these new areas and you know, re-energize ITAM for, for you know, 2023 onwards um, and DEX really does feel like it's, it's much closer to ITAM than I think people first realize. It is. I mean, because you know, Rich, I mean, I've been involved in ITAM for, I don't know, 20 years or whatever at this point. And um, it was a really easy kind of transition for me. I think as as someone who's involved in ITAM, you become a jack of all trades, master of none. You need to know bits about everything. Like I talked about earlier, right? The hardware, the servers, the network layer, the, the, the software, who's using what, why, how. And you need to understand all of those things to do the ITAM role properly, the inventory of everything that's out there. And um, you need to do that for DEX as well, right? There, there is, there, DEX, overlaps with and intersects with ITAM, ITSM. We see ITSM as a driver a lot of the time as well. Um, it also interacts with sort of end user computing, IT operations, security, and the fact that it's that sort of cross 
you know, silo kind of thing. ITAM is already across those silos. To the vast, you know, if, if ITAM is being done well, it's already across those silos. ITAM is a good place to, to, to spawn decks from. Um, so I wasn't planning on a call to action type thing, but I guess the call to action is actually go and find out if you have a DEX program. If you do, become a client to theirs, right? Take as much of their information as you can and, and actually provide them with requirements to go and get more data to, to feed you, so to help you do a better job. And if you don't have a DEX platform, there is potentially an opportunity to go and, uh, you know, yeah, be, be the person who proposes it and ask, why don't we and where is it? And, you know, get involved. And, and I would say, you know, if you have that conversation, that's going to get you in front of senior leadership, you know, CIO, CFO, CTO type people, which again, you know, ITAM sometimes struggles for that visibility. Uh, and of course, once you're, once you're having those conversations, then, you know, you can, um, you can bring other parts of ITAM along with it. Um, so I completely, I second that call to action, Jason. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, everyone out there listening the, you know, the, the, the many millions, um, you know, if, if you've got any questions about it, get in touch with, with us at ITAM Review or, or Jason at 1E, because I, I do think the, the ITAM professionals who are able to get involved in this, I think, you know, it will stand you in really good stead going forwards. Um, so as Jason says, yeah, go, go and, um, you know, find out what's going on. Uh, you know, is it happening? Make it happen if it isn't. And then, yeah, you know, report back and tell us how this podcast changed your life. <laughs> That's the job of all good podcasts, isn't it? To change your life. 100%. Um, so, I mean, that feels like quite a good place to, to leave it there. I think we could probably talk for, for hours about various things, but um, we'll, we'll save that for the, the, the director's cup. Um, so, yeah, so if people got... want to find out more, they can feel free to uh, reach out to me. I'm sure my uh, contact details will be somewhere around the web page this is uh this is being hosted on too so absolutely yeah we'll we'll have your uh, you know link to your to your linkedin i, I can put your email address in there if you uh if you want well, let's to. stick with linkedin email addresses are great for being scraped off and i get enough spam <laughs> in my life but people can reach yeah. me through linkedin for sure um so yeah yeah i mean you know anyone out there who's got any questions yeah, we did a webinar on it as well so we'll we'll i'll link everyone to that as well so you can see a bit more uh, you know, you can see some diagrams and things, but um, but yeah, no, thank you very much, Jason. I think that's been a really good sort of you know intro and insight into the world of Dex and and how it intersects with ITAM. Thanks to you too, Rich. Appreciate it. Awesome, and thank you to Thanks everyone out there listening. It's <laughs> great minds thinking alike. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so thank, thanks to those listening, and I will catch you all on the next podcast slash webinar slash conference uh so yeah see you all soon cheers bye